You're listening to Christina's Room Podcast, a place where startup founders, entrepreneurs, and executives can find inspiration from me and other founders to grow awesome businesses and fulfill their dreams. My name is Christina Imre, and I coach VC-backed startup founders and mission-oriented leaders drive in business and life. Hello, everyone. Allow me to introduce you our guest for today, Phil Blows, who is the co-founder and CEO of Accrue, an app in DeFi that allows you to earn up to 12% on your crypto. Welcome to our show, Phil. Thanks, Christina. Great to be here. I think your story is very interesting, and I would love to define it a little bit. So you are having an extensive fintech experience over 15 years. You were in financial planning, wealth management, trading, and you also wrote a book on personal finances. So the money triangle. And uh, this is great to have as a background for a crew. And you also have an extensive sales experience, which is even better. But you're a first time founder. And even so, last year, you founded Accrue, this company that just like runs through all of those milestones that most of the startups would just dream of. And so I was interested to find out what did you do? If you could, for example, you are a publicly traded company in London today. I mean, wow, under one year uh, being in the open. Also, you have 10,000 customers right now in your portfolio, and you are managing 60.5 million pounds under your management. And I would just love to know your story. And if you could just go through the timelines, like, for example, how did you get this idea? Where and how did you found your co-founders? Also, when the funding came, because you're also a funded company, and how did you create these timelines and uh, timeframes that were so successful until now? Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I, I've got a lot of respect for founders who do things in their 20s. But um, for me, you know, I needed kind of a 16, 17 year career in startups to really gain the skills needed, I think, to you know, to build a company. So although I'm, it's my first first startup you know I've worked in several previously and had pretty you know I guess a pretty entrepreneurial roles within other businesses where I've kind of been given a new product or you know been charged to basically create a new company within a company um, this kind of idea of an intrapreneur um, so I've done that several times which obviously helped kind of with a you know build a cross-functional skill set um, I mean in terms of I think you know when I was looking at setting up the business with with my co-founder you know, there is there's always been kind of a consistent theme in everything that I've done, which is you know, everyone wants simplicity and especially in finance where, you know, the concepts, most people perceive them as being you know, complicated and, you know, being boring often, which they're probably not wrong. Um, you know, and I think when I looked at the, you know, when I've looked at all the startups we've done, what it's been doing is taking quite complex financial concepts, simplifying them into really easy to use apps, and then just sort of mass distributing those apps. And, you know, the businesses have done well based on, you know, the, the product feedback or the feedback on the product and how, you know, what kind of pain points it really hits. And, you know, it's fair to say in previous startups, the, you know, the, the problem I was solving within the area of personal finance wasn't big enough for the company to kind of explode. 
Um, so had you know, so I worked for some fairly successful startups, but nothing that kind of exploded out of the gate. Um, so, you know, having done that for 15, you know, 17 years, the, you know, the, um, the area that I then looked at, I was getting very involved in crypto and, you know, I could see the cryptocurrency, whereas I was previously skeptical, there was this kind of emergence of what's called decentralized finance which is it's not most people think of crypto. It's like I buy it, buy something, hope it goes up 20 times and then sell it. And, you know, that's not what crypto is now about. That's kind of crypto 1.0. Crypto 2.0 is, you know, I own decent crypto assets, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, these sorts of big assets. And I use them to generate income for myself. You know, because these are productive assets, which you can lend and borrow and, you know, generate high yields on. And there's also this concept of a cryptocurrency called a stable coin, which is a, a crypto coin, which its value is pegged to the value of the US dollar. So, you know, as this kind of new market emerged in the world of crypto, you know, I was I started um, you know, managing my own money and sort of friends and family money and was just you know, not sort of speculating, looking for huge price increases, but just having very basic kind of lending models where I generated really high yields for customers and so that was kind of the MVP, you know, and it didn't need to be anything. I, I was a big fan, like, um, I guess, a believer in the lean startup. And even I was I, I was I thought to launch that kind of business model, I would need a product, at least a basic product. But all it started as an email where, you know, customers and friends and family gave us some cash and we just told them what the results were every every week. And that was that was it. Um, when did you start doing this? So that was kind of in yeah 2020. Sorry, yeah 2020. Um, and you know, we didn't actually found the company till early 2021. And you know, because it got to the point where getting so many customers, people saying, "Look, just can you do this for me?" Um, that we said, "Well, we should probably build a platform that makes it very, very simple to do." So I mean, that was where we went and started raising our seed round. And you know, we could say, "Look, this is the idea." And this is the traction we've currently got. You know, it's it's whatever, you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars that people have given us. We're turning new new assets away because we're just testing and we want to build a product. And, um, you know, that just made the invest early investor conversation so much easier. You know, we've got we've got traction and you know, zooming out again. You know, if you're going to start a company, you can make your life a lot easier by doing it in a sector that's exploding and you know, early 2021, there was no hotter sector than crypto. You know, that's where all of the money from investors were going into. It's like, it was crazy. So that that means that we were able to sort of ride that wave of it a bit. And, you know, investors were out there looking for good crypto projects to invest into. And we were one of them. In the, in the early, early 2021, kind of went to my network and sort of angel investors. And, um, you know, we raised just under a million dollars uh, in that first sort of like few few months. And, uh, you know, that allowed us to hire the early team. And, um, you know, I, w- I was very, very keen to, to own the tech from day one. I've seen a lot of companies that have outsourced tech development and have spent two years and millions of dollars and haven't really got anywhere. Um, I was fortunate to know a very good developer who, um, very fortunate, who joined us as, um, as the CTO. And, you know, what he, the team he's built, um, I mean, it's just been phenomenal. And, you know, I think a lot of the early success, I'd say fire me before you fire our dev team, because they are the real, the real value drivers of our business. You know, they are, 
you know, they've, they've built a product which would take many other people years and we've done it in six months. So that kind of, you know, very early product development, built a really nice scalable solution and then got it, got it in the hands of customers really early. So, you know, got loads and loads of feedback about how we could improve it and have that product flywheel just really spinning, you know, where we get feedback from a customer in the morning and we re-release the product in the afternoon. Um, you know, and that means the product is always improving at a really, really high velocity. Okay, let's stop here a little bit and go back. So what you said until now, that your overnight success started in 2020 <laughs> when you already was working and wanted to understand, I believe, crypto. So you were an early adopter and you did this alone, right? And you took your money, your family money, and you needed almost 10 years to just have that feel. You, you waited for the right timing. So this would be the second part. First, you tested, you had a lean kind of startup. You were also not a founder, an entrepreneur. You were preparing the right timing and the right move when that will come. And this happened last year. So you mentioned the timing aspect as well. Also that you were already throwing crypto, you had the results to show and this helped with everything. So your timeline just jumped because of this. So investors saw, hey, these are the results, right? This is what I achieved during the last years. And do you want to come on board? And the third thing that you mentioned is technology. So you understood what kind of pain points are in the market. And here I would love to extra ask another question about the differentiator. So, right, the timing was great last year, maybe even one year before, but also the space now is very crowded and it was last year. What was the approach and what did you find to be the, the biggest differentiator for a crew compared to your competitors? I think with you know, and one person, yeah, you know, my we're very lucky to have my co-founder Digby. Um, you know, he's his background is very much in in kind of payments, and part of where crypto is, a lot of our competitors have struggled is to make it easy to get money onto the platform. It seems really basic, but like, you know, through his kind of expertise and network, we were able to very you know to launch with kind of a full suite of, of people being able to give us crypto, but also being able to give us like normal currency as well. So that was a that was a big part of um, of kind of early access. So going back to that, how are we different? It's the simplicity angle. It's like most, if you go on most kind of um, crypto platforms, you just see all you see is kind of like charts, flashing lights. You know, people saying you know they they're trying to encourage you to buy and sell because they make their money every time you buy and sell. And the problem with that is if you keep buying and selling frequently, you invariably lose money. And you know, given my background, which has always been about kind of trying to improve people's finances, I'm very, very keen that any product that I launch is is not, you know, it's 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 in improving people's overall wealth. And it's not designed just to make us money, which is what a lot of these companies seem to do. So, you know, we are trying to we're trying to like, and the product is it's very very simple, and it's made it's sort of designed to make it so people are are sort of buying and holding really top quality crypto coins so we're not putting the latest fad coin onto it there's you know there's really four elements on the on the platform so you know it's about kind of simplifying the whole experience down to you know what are the coins that are still going to be here in five years 
let's have a long-term mindset to the sort of investments that we're doing and you know let's pay market leading interest on those to try and encourage people just to stay put and, and you know and not try and encourage that kind of high turnover speculation which is how investors tend to lose money so I mean, that's probably the main you know summarizing it's like it's simplicity but it's simplicity by how you fund the account the simplicity of how you use it as well you know we're focused on yield and not exchange to the extent where customers can buy and sell you know crypto on our platform but it's completely free you know we don't charge a fee that's not how we make our money we make our money by sharing some of the yield that we generate for our customers and um i think that puts us in the same you know aligns our interests with those of the customer so you know we're not trying to get them to just to be you know churning their account all day long we, we you know, as they make money so do we I think that this term simplicity is very important for our other founders. And I would love to learn from your story because it's obvious that you are almost obsessed about this word. And, and maybe somewhere on the line, you discover that this is also a recipe for success in business. And I would love to understand how did you find out about this? Why I'm saying that? Because many founders are failing exactly on this process they want to prove before they are ready before they have any kind of uh, market fit before they they are able to go to investors that hey we can do that 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 that, that. and so they get so in love with their potential product that they want to show too much from the beginning and they get lost in translation and they fail so how and when did you learn this lesson that simplicity is not just good in life, basically, but also in business and for your success is one of those recipes, ingredients? I think, I think you know, the, there was a, early, in my, early in my career when I was, there was a, a trading platform that we were working uh, on, which was like helping investors invest in traditional um, products. And all we had all day long was people saying, look, we don't want the complexity. Can you just do it for me? You know, I trust you. I've, we've built a relationship. You just do it for me. And that's kind of been everywhere we've gone. It's like, find a trusted source, let, you know, and then you do it for me. That's kind of what people want in all works of, in, all, in so many different product types. So I think, you know, when it comes to crypto, it's like, I could go and dive into the world of DeFi, but, you know, I don't have the time to do it. I trust you, accrue, because you know you're you're experts in the space and you know you're you're a, a reputable business. I'd prefer it if I can just use your platform to like just make sure I'm in, in, invested in, in the best protocols out there. <clears throat> and that's and that's really what we're doing. And um, it's I've I've just seen it too many times. And you know we've where people have spent years building a product that no one really wants. And you know, I think you saw it with, you know, there's, there's just loads and loads of examples and, you know, you see it quite a lot of the time. And so I'm, yeah, I think it's more just reading on startups, that sort of stuff. It's just, you know, people just, you just know that's not the way to do it now. You know, it's worth just like faking it almost to have a, you know, have a product which maybe it's completely manual in the back end, but just so you can get that feedback from early customers and understand, you know, um, yeah, what, what is the pain point? Do they even want it? And will they pay you money for it? Because, you know, I've seen loads of people who will tell you how much they love the product, but they won't give you any money for it. And so you don't really have a business. Um, so, you know, you need to quickly get to that realization. Will people actually give you money for what you're trying to sell? And, you know, you need to get there in like week one, you know, of, of your business, if you can. You know, coming up with 
spending you know, building a website all these sorts of things they're really quick and easy to do just like you know can't stress it enough you've got to get to the client as fast as you possibly can you know we didn't have a website when we got our first customer it was you know talking to people and, and having an email service and what did they say when they saw that hey uh, okay you you provide big yield but it's only on a couple of coins and not like the vast majority like other platforms yeah and you know that for most and i'd say from the vast majority of investors that's all they need you know i mean there are you know there are so many coins out there there's like six thousand coins um and you know you'll probably find 95 of them won't be here or in trading or being used in a meaningful way in five years um it wouldn't surprise wouldn't surprise me at all if most of them are gone so you know we you need to see them prove i mean bitcoin is you know it's almost 15 years old now um you know it's been around it's it's sort of that's the kind of timeline that it you know that it's begun to prove and, and and build itself out as something that's you know a real store of value and ethereum has you know got a similarly long long kind of history to it most of the other coins have sort of sprung up in the last three three or four years and you know their their business they are startup companies themselves that haven't necessarily found traction so you know that's i i think when i'm speaking to the the kind of the, the the mass affluent kind of investor class you know i'd be saying look the you want to have a you know a mixed a mixed portfolio of bitcoin ethereum and these stable coins so effectively you're balancing growth which is you're hoping bitcoin and ethereum are going to appreciate in price in the medium term and you know you're also going to earn a decent yield which is seven percent on those assets but hope really you're hoping they're going to really appreciate and you know do see double digit growth every year but then you've also got to sort of balance some of the volatility you've got these investments in these dollar based stable coins where you know the yield is 12% but the volatility that you're getting in the asset is essentially just that of the US dollar so you know if you're depending on which country you're in that's kind of your native currency and you can you know you just earn a high yield and you know, that kind of approach is very different to just the mass speculation that you see in crypto where they're, you know just trying to punt on the next the next big thing you know for most people and you'll probably find that portfolio or a mix of that portfolio will outperform the majority of people in the in the next five years who are trying to time the market and jump in and out of it because we we just see that you know that that trader mentality never works in the medium term you just gave a quick lesson about crypto for those who are thinking about investing for a long time or maybe since yesterday and so they start to understand that it's it is a market and uh, there is more to it than just being a hype right now so thank you for that now okay. back to our timeline last year right what tell me about the founding group because you are three co-founders how did you get together? So my it was it was actually Digby and myself are the other co-founders, and we actually worked together about 15 years ago. Um, I was kind of running trading at a company, and he was running sales. And um, you know, it was in it was in a fintech uh, business then, um, sort of around 2008 um, sort of time. And um, yeah, we just stayed in touch, um, and we then ended up working together at another business a few years ago. And, you know, from there, we decided, look, there's, there's, you know, we, we'd got, a, we both got a lot of exposure to crypto whilst we were at that business. Although that wasn't what the business did. It was a, a payments company. Um, 
you know, and we just said, look, this is the hottest area right now. We should be in crypto. If we're not in crypto, we're, you know, and we're talking to founders who've been doing this for, you know, a couple of years and their businesses are worth, you know, hundreds of millions and they're not necessarily doing anything that we felt we couldn't do ourselves. So we kind of had it, the blueprints right in front of us to do it. So we just thought, well, you know, let's give it a go. And, um, you know, we had the idea. We were confident that the idea would get traction quickly. Um, we had a good network of investors that we thought we could approach for sort of early finance, which you know turned out to be true, which was good. Um, and yeah, it's uh, and then very quickly we added Louis, who's our CTO, who's who's pretty much a co-founder as well. Um, you know, he's helped build the product from from scratch, and you know, he's then hired a team. Um, so the second developer on 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 the team was a guy called Gary, who's a phenomenal sort of front end developer. And uh, yeah, we've um, it's the team's gone strength to strength from there. And you know, we're now now probably just under forty people based all around the world. Um, you know, we're onboarding. We're you know, the growth rates are pretty crazy. We're growing at about hundred percent a month in terms of our customer customer acquisition. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the mass scale up time now is where we're at. Okay, so you formalized what you were doing for a long time now, last year, together with your first co-founder. And then you went to reach for some funds. And this happened pretty quickly. You received 10 million or something like that, right, in funding? So we, we did what's called a SPAC, which um, one of the okay. things with crypto is, um, one of the things with cryptocurrency is that a lot of people don't know who owns the company. It's not very transparent, these sorts of things. So you know, you get a lot of credibility when you go public. And, you know, we were approached by an investor who said, look, we've got a listed vehicle with, you know, 10 million pounds of assets in it, um, you know, and we would be keen that, you know, you basically reverse the company into that structure. And, um, you know, you, and you, you effectively run the overall entity. So, you know, that, that was attractive for, you know, we, we went from the initial seed raise of sort of 1 million to raising another 10 million effectively. Um, and, um, and then also we have that kind of listed vehicle, which is, you know, when we're talking to institutional investors, they're pushing us for, you know, what's on your balance sheet and also, you know, you know, who, who owns the firm, what does the kind of the governance structure look like? And we can point to a really, really experienced management team and board of directors as well as the, you know the UK listing, so um, you know for, as as a firm, you know that kind of takes us to another tier that a lot of crypto companies don't have, which is you know we are we're owned by a listed business, and it's um, you know it's the transparency and credibility that comes with that means that investors trust us more. And this happened before the huge growth in customers, like uh, during the last uh, four months. You acquired yes. 10,000, but last year you didn't have a platform and you were like trading for your customers, but in a more old fashioned way, right? Yeah. So we didn't really launch the, the app until um, December. Um, and, you know, but we had it in beta and we're testing it with customers all year. Um, you know, and we were getting loads and loads of feedback from customers the whole year. So, you know, it was really what, what sort of happened in the last three months is where we've, we've you know, we've found we found the the point where product market fit is really strong and not just like, you know, obviously everyone wants to earn high interest, but we, you know, what, what we're really testing is throwing as much traffic at our, at our product and seeing what came out, you know, are people signing up to the signing or doing all of the usual analytics around the user journey to make sure that, you know, we are confident that the customers are, 
are kind of doing what we think they should do on the on each screen. And once we have that in place, there's like, okay, well, startup phase is is now over. Now it's scale up phase. So that's where we can really turn on the marketing, you know, we, we and, and turning up the spend that you're putting out there, you're kind of out of lean startup mode and into kind of blitz scaling um, mode, which is, you know, where you're just like putting, you know, petrol on a fire to try and make it grow as quickly as we can. And that's that's where we're at now. Um, and it's all about just managing that growth because, you know, it's a really, really exciting patch that we're in currently. The investors came before your platform? So investors, we had sort of a beta platform that we that we built, and you know it was very very basic, but it sort of did what it you know did was it was you know the front end looked pretty impressive, but absolutely everything in the back end was me updating a spreadsheet effectively, or you know Google Google spreadsheet. So you can imagine you know there was a lot of just manual data entry, so none of the APIs were plugged in and like that. So great looking front end you know, but all smoke and mirrors in front of effectively a, a, a spreadsheet. And then we tossed that in the bin and started and actually built the product properly after we had some, you know, some of the customers going. So that's why you were saying from uh, PowerPoint to a 30 million uh, pounds uh, public company in 10 months, right? But uh, yeah. this PowerPoint is your spreadsheet, basically. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, we, it was a very, very early kind of um, version of the of the product, which was, yeah, it was. Uh, it, yeah, it didn't. It's amazing how quickly, you know, product the version two kind of got got built. But um, yeah, version one was a good. It was very useful for those early investor conversations. So we have a couple of uh, secret ingredients for your success uh, already. But I think now we can introduce a new one. And I would love to ask you about networking and connections because it's obviously one of your ingredients for this to achieve these milestones. Tell me about your networking and uh, skills and also uh, how did you approach this from a long-term point of view? Because it's obvious you came with your own network and maybe your co-founders as well. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, you know, both Digby and myself have, you know, I, I think at any company I've worked for, I've really tried to work very, very hard and, you know, be a very good employee i know that sounds that sounds bad and, and i'll also caveat that with i got progressive as i was approaching starting a business i think i got progressively more difficult to manage because i was frustrated as an employee which is part of what you know another part of why i started something your but, entrepreneur um, yourself started to came to life right yeah <laughs> i was i was just annoying everyone i think was probably it but it, you know everyone knew that i was you know fully committed really hard worker and that meant that like anyone I've worked with over the last 15 years knows that I'm, you know, I don't mess around, that I'm a good, you know, I'm, I'm you know, worth backing. And, um, you know, it's, it's building a reputation. And I think, you know, I, it's then just making sure that, you know, I think socially I've kind of kept in touch with a lot of people over the, you know, over, who maybe I'm not working with anymore. But really it was then a case of, you know, I probably knew, 25 investors you know and 10 percent of them might invest in our business however you know those 25 investors probably each know 25 investors so the kind of once removed network is actually where i think the real strength was um you know so i had and and you know going to these people giving them the pitch 
and them saying, well, no, I don't, I don't think this is for me for, you know, for whatever reason. And they're just like, okay, well, who can, you know, who are the five people you can introduce me to that are interested in this idea? And, you know, you know, we've got interest in the space and, you know, without fail, we, you know, we got introduced to people. So, you know, the seed round investors were, I don't know, we had about 20 or so early investors in the business. And then, you know, when we went public, the kind of the contact, um, the person that we, um, you know, that we used to, to, to sort of you know, do the deal with for that vehicle, you know, was a contact of a contact. So again, it was that it just so happened that the person I knew was having a conversation about crypto with someone who, and he was saying, oh, I'm looking to invest in something in this space. And the person just said, well, as it would happen, I know someone and put us in touch. So, yeah, it's, I think it's just, you know, building a reputation over a long period of time and, you know, keeping it warm by just, you know, being sociable as you, as you will and trying to stay in touch with people. And then, you know, trying to be reciprocal, give people some value back when they, you know, whenever you can and you know, help them out when you can and they're more likely to help you. It's so funny, you know, because I'm thinking usually I would approach uh, our conversation in different stages. Like one of the topics uh, I like to approach is about funding and how your startup changes after you receive the funds, because now you have a board and uh, the communication, everything changes. It's not just for you and your co-founder or co-founders, but uh, the strategy needs to be different because now you are working for more people who are stakeholders in your company. In your case, everything just jumped. You don't have enough time, you know, to just accustom to all of these phases. So this is uh, funny to me. It, it uh, intrigues me how to put the questions. But before that, I would love to also start with your employees because you have a team around, uh, you, you mentioned 15 people. And uh, it's the first time when, okay, you manage people as an executive before in fintech, but now are your people, basically. How did the dynamic change from uh, an executive to a founder? Yeah, I think it's, I think I've probably found it easier, if I'm honest. And I say we're, we're probably approaching 40 people now. Um, 40, you know, okay. The numbers. Um, but yeah, I probably found it easier because I, I guess, I guess I get to set the culture early. So you know, the culture is pretty closely aligned with the founding team. I say pretty closely, it, the culture is the founding team, you know, and it's, um, you know, so we we are, the way we run the business is is quite different from a lot of other companies I've worked with, which is, you know, like the policies are, we, we try to treat everyone like adults, which often you don't get treated like at a company. So, you know, you work when you want, where you want, and you have as much holiday as you want. You know, that's that's kind of the underlying policy. The expenses, the expenses policy is spend it like it's your own money. You know, that's the extent of it. And, you know, I think what we then have is this very, very flexible culture. But, um, you know, we just hire people who are really driven and, set, you know, set them clear goals. We don't we don't kind of um, be we're not prescriptive about how they achieve those goals but we hire intelligent people say this is what the business needs to achieve you know we'll give you all the support you want but you know we want you to think creatively about how to solve these problems and hit these targets and um i think that puts a lot of pressure on management to really uh, you know be clear about what people need to the goals that the business has and why they have them but really you know it's kind of 
I, I like to think we're kind of managing a team of superstars, really. It's like managing a you know professional sports team. You know, like there's nothing I can tell our CTO that's really that useful because he's wildly smarter than I am, I'm sure. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, really, I just need to t- show him the vision of the business and, and allow him to sort of, you know, create as he does. And it's the same for everything from our customer service team who are just brilliant at dealing with people, you know, so much better than I am. And, um, you know, to, to every area of the business and compliance is, you know, our compliance team is, it's an area that, that's always difficult from a sales business development perspective, but our compliance team has been, been exceptional from day one. So, you know, I think there's, there's some really good stuff there. Does the hiring? I think everyone really pitches in, but you know, myself and my co-founder Digby have kind of final say for um, you know, for for the final, you know, for you know, with anyone because it's so important. Even at forty people, um, you know, one per one bad hire can can still impact the whole business. You have a very open culture there. I see where everyone is in charge until. A- some point and you are also a remote company right yeah so we're remote we have an office in sofia in bulgaria where our customer service team sit um which is kind of a like a you know a, a, a fairly uh, flexible office you know where like a we work type structure um but generally you know the idea is is we work globally and people work wherever they want so you know we have we have people who spend a couple of weeks a month in the uk and, and others abroad just so um Yeah, in Cyprus, so they can enjoy nice weather consistently. Um, but um, yeah, really flexible. We've just got the one office for the customer service team because I think it's important. There's certain teams to be together, and you know, you can you can have a bad day with customers where you've got you know several customers kind of beating you up, and it's always good to have a team around you when that happens. Um, so yeah, they that, that's our only real physical presence. So it's a Europe concentration here to be closer to get together, right? Yeah, yeah, we've got people in Australia, Canada, Argentina, Sweden, um, yeah, Middle East. Um, What's your favorite communication channel with all of this? Um, we generally use sort of the video. It's like Zoom, but Slack is where the business really, you know. So we've built our kind of, you know, our product around Slack. So, you know, when there's any kind of, you know, any customer deposits and withdrawals, you know, Slack notifications, you know, there's it's it's a really useful tool that we you know we we bring bring people into but crypto has a lot of a lot of different mechanisms so like whatsapp and telegram but i try to keep everything confined to to slack really but <laughs> invariably we have to use a few other things as well i'm curious did you concentrate on people who know about crypto or you also brought in people who had no idea about it before i mean i think the operational team were all all crypto um savvy the development team knew nothing about crypto and even the investment team knew nothing about crypto some of the early investors were like top investment um hires that we made you know they didn't um they they came from traditional finance and you know highly quantitative backgrounds um and it comes back to just you know hiring super smart people and sort of educating them in crypto and then you know very quickly they are doing a better job of it than i possibly could um you know because they they're just they're, this is their kind of skill set okay so let's go next to the investing round you had two you had the seed and then you you brought in even more money 
I'm curious if you saw any kind of changes before and after how the dynamic changed now that you have investors on your table and you need to manage much more, let's say, politics inside your company. Mm. How do you I do think, that? Yeah, you know, for the first, I think the, the, the seed investors, the first rounds, you know, I, we've always tried to communicate a lot with investors. Um, so, you know, a monthly update email was all I was really speaking to our kind of our early seed round investors on. Um, and, you know, they the feedback was generally very good and they, you know, cost, uh, and yeah, they were very, very supportive. Um, then, you know, really the big deal is, is what we've, what we're in now as a listed company. And I think we're very, very fortunate that we've, you know, we've inherited a, a very talented board and a very supportive board. They've bought into our, our vision of what we want the business to be and what we want it to do. Um, so, you know, again, we have a monthly, we have a monthly board meeting and, you know, we're in regular contact with kind of the, the, the other sort of non-exec directors and operational directors. Um, but, you know, they're really there to sort of course adjust. Um, so if they feel we're not quite, you know, going in the right direction as a business, then, you know, they'll, they'll give feedback, but, you know, so far they've been very happy what we've done. It's not, not really been needed. I would be very interesting now about your retrospect. You have almost one year as a founder and you learn a lot of lessons. If you go through this last period, what do you found to be the most challenging for you? Maybe two, three things you found and also what do you intend to do differently from now on with your earned experience as a founder? I think um, one of the hardest areas early on was marketing um you know getting getting a brand you know some of the basic stuff you know you can spend you can spend a huge amount of money on agencies and especially when you're lean trying to be lean and you're you know you haven't got much money in the bank you know it's it's something to be really really careful on um and i think you know we, at the early time at the early sort of marketing efforts we made we weren't data driven enough whereas now we have you know we have we have a several sort of agencies that we deal with, but we've got them all under control because we've got very, very clear metrics that we can hold them to. And, you know, we know what good looks like. We know what bad is. Everyone's on the same page. And, you know, where when something isn't working, we stop doing it. And I think that's, you know, as a very early company, that was quite hard to do. You know, we had trusted suppliers who maybe weren't performing so well, um, but we kind of stuck with them despite that. Um, whereas now, you know, we are, I wouldn't, we're not heartless and, you know, we, we give everyone every opportunity, but we have very, very hard and fast data, um, you know, data points for every consultant that we use. And if we're not hitting the, the, you know, um, those, those milestones, then we, you know, we cut it simple as that. So that that's probably been the biggest thing I've changed is just being more data driven earlier. And what we're going to do differently is that is, you know, we're going to continue to as we grow and, you know, we scale, we get a lot better picture of the of the of what the data what the key data points are. So making sure we concentrate on that is now the most important thing. And is there something you could say to a first time founder who are thinking about starting a business now or, or being in its first year? Something that uh, you discovered as being very, very important. I mean, it's tough. I mean, first-time founders. I think you know, I, I, I tried to sort of like do a load of like really easy 
like kind of startups previously, like Amazon selling and, you know, launching products and stuff like that as kind of side hustles. And like none of it worked because none of it really played to my skill set. You know, so I think if I'm, what do you, you know, what kind of, yeah, it's very difficult to be very, you know, to be like top 1% at just one thing. But if you can take several things and mix them all together, you know, for several, several different skills, and I think people need to look at what are their skill sets. And if you combine them and you can get something at the end where, you know, in that specific combination, you are top one, you know, you are like uniquely qualified to launch a business that does that. Um, you know, so I think, you know, with kind of like general asset management background, fintech development expertise, and kind of like, you know, a bit of a marketing background, you know, there's that's sort of several things that meant that I, you know, I was quite well placed to launch a crypto business and then combine my co-founder which is kind of who's, who's like an expert in operations and payments. And between us, like, you know, we've got like all the necessary skill sets to, to actually launch something that's quite difficult to do. Um, and, you know, so when you, aim, and I think that was also the other thing when I was when, you know, previously, I tried to look for these really easy things to launch. And this is by far the hardest idea we had to launch, but it also means there's very little, you know, there's not actually as much competition. You know, there's millions of Amazon sellers, who are really good at marketing and, you know, it's highly competitive and it's not that many people starting crypto, crypto investment businesses. And, um, you know, because the, the barriers to entry are huge. So it's kind of the, the competition is, is that much less. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's, it's, um, that's pretty, pretty unhelpful advice I'd probably say so far, but I mean, um, it's, uh, I think, I think, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to launch a business that's huge, you know, that has a real a really massive, you know, it has quite a high barrier to entry and these sorts of things. If you can find and work out a way of launching and testing it, you know, quickly and easily, which is like how we did with our kind of email service. You know, if you could find something with, you know, then, then you'll sort of slowly build traction. Because um, it's strange looking back and saying, you know, we've built, you know, a global business in sort of 14 months. And, um, you know, we're, we're signing, you know, which is growing, you know, with, yeah, I'd say 100% a month. So it's, you know, it, but it was, it all started with lots of baby steps. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that's useful or not. Well, I hope uh, it will be for as many founders as possible, or also executives who think to become first-time founders, like in your case. Now, I love the term recipe and ingredients, you know, because I believe that every successful business has a, a more or less complex type of recipe and each company is unique. So in your case, after having such a huge uh, jump from the beginning till now, but yes, we know already that your overnight success uh, was not exactly an overnight success, but we understand how things uh, unfolded. If you would uh, need to find a recipe for your success until now, during this last year, that's compounded only in three ingredients, what would be those three? Um. I mean, it's going to, yeah, so one ingredient has got to be the simplicity of the approach. Um, you know, cust customer centric is, is the, is the, is the second one. Um, I think, yeah. And then culture, I think, you know, we've, we've got a, we've got a really good company culture, which um, people enjoy working in. So I think that's, that's super important. So probably those, those three. So. Interesting. My last question to you, what's next? 
for accrual? I I um I believe accrual is a billion dollar company, and you know I want to I want to scale the business to be a billion dollar company, you know serving millions of customers, and you know really is the market leader in generating yield on digital assets, and you know. I can't, there, there's nothing, you know, we've, we've got a clear path to doing that. It's just about execution now. So, you know, we're seeing that scale happening and, you know, we are, it's just a case now of, you know, doing more of what we've been doing and doing it well and keeping the customer at the heart of everything that we do. And I think, you know, we're not, we're, we're, we've, we've got a clear path. We're on the rails to get there. So that's, that's the number one focus. Great. Now I have an extra question because of your answer. So you intend to become a, a unicorn soon enough, I suppose. How do you intend to manage the risks that are in crypto? Because there will be regulations, a lot of changes happened during the last year, and you just don't know there could happen things that are not under your control. So yeah. what's the risk management you consider to also to, to reach your goal? I mean, there's 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 you know, regular there's, there's multiple risks that face our business and kind of every business and you know, regulation. It's an emerging asset class. Regulation's a big part of it. I mean, we actually see regulation as an opportunity because you know unregulated crypto is a lot smaller in size than regulated crypto, and you know I think you'll see. So if if crypto becomes regulated, every institution on the planet is going to suddenly start piling into it because that's probably the main thing that's holding them back at the moment which will increase competition and things like that but if we can build a massive business you know before that kind of event happens and you know at, in the meantime we are building up a global regulatory footprint in our own right we are you know liaising with every regulator we need to to, to operate um you know we're in a very good position we've got a massive head start on people at that point so um you know I think there's there's a lot of risks, but you know, again, having you know, we can't predict the future, but we can certainly look and see what we think is you know the direction of travel, and you know, going towards a more regulated crypto environment is one that we think is a good idea. So I think, um, yeah, I think you know, we just got to make sure we've got a great great compliance team. You know, we're constantly onboarding and you know creating entities in other jurisdictions to sort of you know grow that local regulatory presence in each of our key locations. And, you know, just got to continue to do that. This was a great conversation, Fear. Thank you. I believe that many people can find gems in it if they listen carefully. And let me wish you a lot of success to reach that unicorn status soon enough, as you wish. And also bring a lot of money to your customers and make everyone happy. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks so much, Christina. Appreciate it. Thank you. Subscribe to Christina's podcast and stay connected through her social media channels too.